This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello out there! Yes, hello everyone, and welcome back to the Number the Brave podcast. I am Hal Schwartz, and as always, I'm here with my great buddy, Flynn McLean. So, Flynn, tonight we've got a topic, judging by our Twitter feed, that people want to hear us talk about. And it's one we like to talk about. Yes, so, it's uh, one of yes. our favorites. Yes, it is. I mean, uh, if we had recorded all the conversations you and I have had about this series and about the, sh- the shows released or not released. The archive I mean, series, yes. We're talking like, uh, I mean, 50 episodes at least worth. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, but we always gonna... said this show was trying to capture our conversations, and I think we've done that over time, and, and tonight it's going to be especially so. But before we get to that, I guess we got some other stuff to talk about. And uh, first up, thankfully, uh, the court case was resolved today. As it turns out, the charges, the serious charges were dropped against Bruce. There was no evidence, and he pled guilty. Uh, I believe the count was... Uh, drinking alcohol in a closed area where he had to pay a $500 fine. <laughs> Plus a $40 processing fee. Yes. So I think he can handle that. Uh, and I think that that helps everything just in, in terms of, the, I think the Jeep ad also suddenly reappeared on on the yeah. internet today. Am I, am I wrong in that? It, I believe it did a reappear, yes. Okay, so good resolution to that. Uh, from from what we, uh, we had read, I, it didn't seem like it was too much there to to warrant these kinds of charges, but uh, got to go through the system, got to go through the process, and uh, hopefully we can all uh, he can all he can look forward now to working more on tracks too. <laughs> and and look, that's why we didn't talk about it in the last episode. You know, we're not the New York Post. We were going to wait for the facts, <laughs> and we now have the facts, and it's much ado about nothing. So but, we can move on to other stuff. Yeah, we well, we weren't going to have five different opens to the show, each with a different cheesy uh, take on a on a Bruce lyric and make it related to alcohol. <laughs> the New York Post, that's that's their lane, and they can stay in it. Yeah, and they've been doing that for twenty years, as we know, American Squad Skin. Team? Yeah, uh, well, just, just by that twenty Bruce, years okay. as it relates to Bruce. Yeah, right. I mean, they've been doing that for, that stick forever. <laughs> I think they were on his side before the American Skin controversy. But en- enough about the post, and let's get to the latest archive release, which was Nice, nineteen ninety-seven. What did you think of that one? I, I enjoyed it. Uh, it's it's hard to be excited about a Joe tour release, to be perfectly honest. Uh, it's not one that's going to motivate me on a workout. It's not going to be one that I'm going to enjoy speeding down the road to. But it's uh, that's a, that was a very special, to- very special tour for me. Um, and so being able to hear it, hear this show in the perfect quality, and I, it takes takes me back as I guess a lot of people whenever you listen to any show. Here's my take on it. Uh, not to slight Europe in any way, because I and especially in 1996, I think he played some great shows in Europe. But the Joe tour was uniquely tied to the United States, the themes of the border and everything that went on, Youngstown. And to me, one of the problems is so far they've released two shows from Europe and two shows from the States. But the two shows from the States are Freehold and Asbury, which are two special shows 
not really that indicative of the actual average show on the tour. And we need to get a show from either the first leg of 95, when the show was at its purest, darkest form, or we need to get a show from America in the fall of 96, when he was playing places like Youngstown or Fresno, the places where the stories took place. And and I was in Fresno, as you know, and, and that was a really special show. And, and and a very surprising show because the crowd really did not have any clues to what to expect that night. And he totally won them over. And, and to me, this is a perfectly fine show. I'm not knocking it, but it doesn't capture the greatest moments of the tour. Okay. Well, I thought the performances in this show were, were, were really good. It's I, You can't really say, oh, this is a, a bad performance of, of any of these songs. But And just to counter what you said, the United States is not the only country in the world that has had issues with immigration and, and unemployment and and technology uh, t- taking jobs away. So I think it, I think it can be relatable relatable in other places. I get that, but I think it is a missed opportunity. Take the Fresno show, for example, which is you know right where the characters live. I mean, when he did the new timer in Fresno. <laughs> That was where the new timer, you know, that's where it's set. Mm-hmm. And that night he also did Deportee, Plain Wreck at Los Gatos, which is another song that takes place in the area. That Those were very unique moments. And I'm not in any way knocking this show. And I'm not saying that the themes don't relate to Europe or any other location. But I do think that we need to get, whether it is Fresno, whether it's Youngstown, he played several shows in the Midwest in the fall of, of 1996 that were really intense and tied to the to the topic. Another thought is uh, the shows that he opened with Woody Guthrie's Tom Jode instead of his own Tom Jode, which was was a very searing take and, and offer something different than uh, what we've we've gotten so far. To me, that that is missing. And of course, we're going to talk about this more when we get to the Joe tour as part of our larger discussion. But I, I do think it is important that they touch on on those themes from the tour. And I do agree that there should be an American show from the fall of 95 or the fall of 96. Of course, we do have to point out that we're not we're not really sure what they what they have. That's true. And and we probably should save this for when we get to the tour during our main topic tonight. But we do know that they have at least the Tower Theater from 1995. And it certainly seems like a strong bet that they have shows from the fall of 96. Oh, oh, I agree 100 percent. But for for just looking at this show, at, at the niece show, it's great to get Joe versions of Long Time Coming um, and, and redheaded woman. I think those are the, I guess we had redheaded woman on a couple of the, on the other special ones, yeah. but it's always good to, this one, he's see solo. So it, it's a little different going out of redheaded woman into a solo two hearts rather than one with Patty and or Susie. Again, I'm not knocking the show. It to me is not one of the higher points of the tour, uh, for the reasons that I've already set, stated. So, well, I have a, I have a little theory on that too. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Which is just that, the the ninety seven leg of the Joe tour really is overlooked by well especially American fans. I mean, we obviously uh, I'm in America, you're in America. We ha- we have a bias in that way. And at that point, he had been touring behind Joe for almost a year and a half, from you know November of ninety five to December of ninety six. And when he went to Australia and Japan first, and then before going over to Europe in in the spring of ninety seven. He wasn't changing things up to make it, you know, he wasn't making it interesting for, for people back in back in the States. Uh, 
yes, the people in Australia and Japan, they saw the same show that we did. Not, you know, not knocking that at all. They, they saw a, a tremendous performance. But for those of us who were following the tour, you know, via bootlegs or via set list, um, it didn't go anywhere. It didn't push the envelope at all. And I think it, it got overlooked. And going back and listening to this one, actually, I, it, was, it sounded really fresh to me. It's a perfectly fine show. It just doesn't it doesn't rise to the level of excitement that some of the more recent shows have given me. And certainly, hopefully, when they get to the fall of 96, whichever show they pick, I, I do think there are some uniquely American shows there where he's he's really hitting some hard themes that were relevant to the country at the time and unfortunately, in many ways, remain relevant today. <laughs> and that is true. Yeah, I would love to see that Youngstown show release. So he had them... Uh... Remember they showed the performance of Youngstown from Youngstown on was it CBS News and yes they showed I think they showed the whole song and you could hear a pin drop he he there was that much of an intense connection between the art between the artists and, and the audience some of the shows that took place in the fall of '96 they so captured that moment in time and in the case of shows like Youngstown and Fresno they captured the place too that's what the archive series should be about. We know there are some fans who find the Joe shows boring and, and, and would rather band shows be released. And we get all that. Obviously, they're not going to release a band show every month. But from the Joe tour, I do think that they should try and hit some of the points that I'm talking about. And we're six, seven years into the series and they have it. OK. All right. Well, certainly um, the Asbury show and the Freehold shows, they certainly they have more of a, of a sexy set list in that respect, but you're right. They don't hit the, they don't show what the tour was all about. Right. And we, and we do need that. So again, we're going to come back to the Joe tour a little later in our discussion. And now a uh, bit of a surprise. <laughs> we have a podcast competition to our show. I have to say, Oh man, Bruce and, and bringing in a ringer, some guy <laughs> named Barack Obama. I mean, yes, yeah, come some on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, that was kind of out of nowhere, wasn't it? Uh, apparently they had recorded, they had done the recording sessions last year, like in the summer and, and the fall. They, they, and, yeah, they ran from July, I believe, to December is what I read. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually very surprised they were able to keep it a secret for that long. God. <laughs> yeah, it really, it's something. And I've listened to the first two episodes. Have you gotten a chance to listen to it yet? I have not. This is Wednesday night. It was announced Monday morning or I'm still a little bit, a little bit behind on a lot of things. <laughs> it's worth taking a listen to. I li listened to the second episode earlier today, and and that one I really thought was a standout. They have a really frank discussion on race in America, and at the end, in the last seven or eight minutes, they start talking about American Skin, and Bruce does a version of American Skin acoustic that is is really touching. And, and he, he talks about the origins of the song. Now we've gone into some of this previously in our reunion tour discussion and talking about the various events of last summer. And, and he also talks about like that he never thought that it was, it was a controversial song. He, he really was kind of caught off guard by how the police reacted to it. And you know, he makes the point <laughs> as we made last year, you know, not everyone pays attention to the lyrics and, and what a song is actually saying. <laughs> no, that's true. Um, did it sound like did, well, first off, did he do a complete version of it? He, it's a pretty complete version, but there it is interspersed with the two of them talking about the song 
and and themes relating to the song. So it's not a performance that, that say you would be able to take and and listen to straight through if you wanted to make an MP3 of it or something. It would mm-hmm. be interspersed with with their commentary. Okay, well, could an enterprising soul figure out how to edit out that dialogue and get a complete version of it? You'd have to take out their commentary from above it because the music is layered underneath ah, as they're talking. Okay. All right, all right. Now, I kind of got the impression that the tone, the tone of these discussions were not that were not that different than say how he spoke in the book and on and on Broadway. Am For I sure, correct in that. For sure, and. To me, that was one of the things, and I don't know that this podcast is necessarily aimed at people like us who have consumed everything that Bruce has done in recent years. The the themes are very relevant to what he said in the book and what he said in, in the play. Of course, those didn't include an ex-president, so their discussion, <laughs> I think, goes a little bit deeper, and they're talking a lot about President Obama's experiences as well. Mm-hmm. So it's a worthy listen, uh, but it doesn't break a lot of new ground in terms of what Bruce is saying for those of us who, as I say, have consumed everything that he's put out, especially right. recently. Right. So this is more of this is Bruce, the statesman, talking about yes. how the world, how he views the world, and how it if the world affected him, especially I guess especially when he was younger, and in the way that that he sees the world now. Well, they're talking both about their experiences as youngsters. In the American Skin episode, the president spoke very frankly about growing up in Hawaii and certain incidents that had occurred in his life that, of course, reminded him that he was he was different. He told a story about uh, a, a college coach, when he, uh, not a college coach, a high school coach when he was playing tennis, making a very unfortunate and derogatory remark to him when he was only 11 or 12 and yeah. and, and the way that has stayed in his mind and stuff like that. So it, it, it definitely people should listen to it. Now, I, Bruce is putting a lot of stuff out there at the moment. <laughs> There's podcasts. He obviously is also doing From My Home to Yours, and we got another episode of those today. So understandably, it is hard keeping up. And you haven't listened to the to the uh, Renegades yet. I haven't listened to the entirety of From My Home to Yours. And it, it is very time-consuming keeping <laughs> up with what he's doing right now. Yeah, you would think during a pandemic where, where we can't really do much outside of the house, we, we'd be able to keep up. But that's, that's not the case. <laughs> but it's... He has really, really gone gone corporate here between the Apple stuff last fall with the, in the with the letter to you, the Jeep ad, and now he's working with Spotify. He, I don't, I don't think say, it's anything new. I mean, he H uh, Apple TV Plus for the letter to you movie, Netflix for the Broadway. Okay. He of course dating back to the reunion tour had a deal with HBO. They seem to like to spread the wealth. They're they're capitalizing from. Pretty much all these services, whether it's whether it's audio or video. Now, in this case, it is Obama's production company, so I believe they may have a deal with Spotify, Higher Ground. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Bruce called the shots on that. It, it's it seems to me, based on the nature of the show and the way it's been described, this is really a, a Obama's show, and and it is produced by his production company. And and they got the idea to to do this together, and 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 Bruce decided to participate. I don't think I, I have to listen again. I don't even think Thrill Hill gets a credit in the show, but I don't want to say that definitively. Okay, all right. Well, I'm looking forward to listening. I was definitely a fan of 
of Obama when he was in office. So, and I like to like listen to him speak, I like listening to Bruce speak. So, uh, I really should put it higher on my priority list these days. Now, just quickly before we get to the main topic, from my home to yours, I heard yeah. about half of it so far. I guess there was one surprise. There was a, a run of '92 material at the end. <laughs> yes, that that was fun. He played the real world from from the Human Touch album. And he didn't make any reference to overproducing it or, or the bells and, and, and whistles that he I think he talked about on the on the Devils and Dust tour. But then he segued right into Living Proof from from Plugged as well as My Beautiful Reward from Plugged. So that was a nice way to, to, to end the to end the show, at least at least for me. And the, the themes of as he, as you talked about, about redemption and rebirth, all, all those things are I mean, that's the embodiment. Of, of Lucky Town. I think every song on that album is about that. Yes. And and a, and a good chunk of the stuff on, on, on Human Touch as well. And so that's, it's, I was, I was expecting better days to show up, but um, so the other, hearing the other two from the Lucky Town album really didn't surprise me. Now let's move on to our main topic. Very <laughs> exciting. I don't even know if we're going to get through all the tours tonight. We'll have to see how long this is running. Maybe we'll stop after the classic era and do a part two next week because we do have a lot of stuff to discuss. And and you have some nice tidbits of information that I think will clear up some questions about certain things. Do you not? I do, but it's it's one of these things where I'm going to be popping people's balloons and not really blowing them up. Oh, so well. Yeah, let's not, I'm not going to tell you we... what they do have. I'm going to tell you what they don't have. Okay. So well. yeah, so that's that's the way it's going to be. <laughs> Flynn is going to burst some bubbles. Okay, I'm going to burst some bubbles. That's so. Right. Let's let's go back. Let's do it by period, and right. let's start pre Born to Run. Okay. Now they have not released anything from Born to Run from prior to Born to Run, excuse me, yet, and people really would like to see that. What do you think? Why have they not released anything from prior to Born to Run? And is there any hope for the future? Well. I think the the reason is that they don't have multi tracks from 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 that from that era. Any 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 place they don't have these multi tracks, that just decreases the likelihood of release, uh, like you know, by seventy five percent. And so, and, and they weren't going around with a production truck in nineteen seventy three or seventy four, oh, or even most of seventy five. Yeah. So there aren't very many. I, I think there. There was what? There was that. What was that one show recorded for King Biscuit? I don't remember that one off the top of my it head. It was like January seventy three. It's the one where. Oh where yeah, yes, yes, from. yes. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. So you, we would have to think that they have that show in multi track because the whole show was recorded. But how that, long was that show? Well, see, that's that was that was gonna be my second point. Is that it's what forty five minutes long? How how can they release forty five minutes and and charge even ten dollars? That's just. You know that's not going to fly with fans, so they would have to put the, put together with some other stuff, and it doesn't sound like they have much other stuff. Or, or it seems to me that's something you release just as a gift to the fans for free. I mean, I can see that. I can see that, but at the same time, or as a five dollar download or something. Yeah, maybe a, maybe a decreased price, but they're, they're just just not leaning towards that. I, I I know a lot of people would love to hear some stuff from like the fall of '74 when Suki was in the band or. Um, and when they were really playing the New York City Serenade out, but I just, I just, I'm not holding my breath for that stuff. Now, I do think we have, we might have a chance at the main point, if only because 
what we have, the recording that we have, that uh, was it originally the Masters Plus version from Great Dane back in 94 or something. Mm-hmm. That sounds so so good that it wouldn't take much for them to pump it up a little bit more and then to grab that the upgraded second second reel that that appeared a few years ago and again go through some kind of audio restoration software and come up with something that's going to be an improvement so it it would make it worth everyone's everyone's time and money to get it again. I've certainly had that show on three or four different formats going back to, to vinyl, to, to tape, and to disc, and to have it in official download with even somewhat improved, improved sound quality would be, that would, that would finish the journey. Now, do we think that that is even a remote possibility? Um, this, now, this is a situation where if it was, I don't know, any other show, it would be like, eh, probably not. But it's the main point. It's the legendary show because of that of the broadcast. It's a very important show. There's no question. Right, very important show. So I, th- this is one of the situations where they need to kind of say, all right, you know, we don't have a multi-track, but it's such of historic importance that we're going to release what we do have, and I mean, we're going to improve it on what the fans already have, and. And make sure we point out that how important this show was to, to Bruce in his career. Uh, total agreement. I think every <laughs> fan listening is nodding their head right now. Well, I'm sure they are, but we just so we just have to convince you know the powers that be that this is a show that's that's worth spending some time on to get out and to because it launched Bruce to the to the I don't want to say to the stratosphere, but it certainly improved his uh, his profile even even in Philadelphia. It's a significant show early in 75. Of course, as we get later into 75, there are more significant shows, obviously, (laughs) one of which was just released. But it it does seem like that that period should be covered now. And as we move into Born to Run, and and one of the things that's going to happen as we talk about the classic era tonight is they're running out of stuff to release. Either they don't have that much more or it's going to be from stands they've already released where the shows are extremely similar to shows that have already been put out. So the question is, how do they handle this now? So, so let's go through tour by tour born to run. We know they have CW post, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. They have more from Philadelphia. Yes. We believe they have at least one more from the Roxy because there was a second show that night. Right. That's what I would think. And we know that based on Bruce's own words, they do not have anything he considers usable from the bottom line. Yeah, and that's and that's another situation where that sh- that stand is so important that whatever they have, they it needs to be released. Uh, I can't imagine you know, Rolling Stone not running a, a huge story on it on on their website the day it comes out. I mean, well, what it, what could they possibly have there? Well. They've showed a few videos at, at these, you know, these Tom Zimney playing in these clips at various places. What was the Monmouth University in 14 or something? And and certainly um, and, and at the Paramount in Asbury. Was it, I, I've lost track of time. I guess that was almost two years ago now in 19. Um, they showed that they showed these these films, well, complete songs from those from the bottom line stand. And there was some audio behind it. I couldn't really tell how good it was, I'm, but it sounded good to me. And I'm sure I'm sure if they could work on it a little bit, they, they can make it really pop. And again, it's the it's an historic show that that should be that really should be released. Period. 
There is no question if they have any usable version of the bottom line, it should be released. Well, I believe I mean, we've I, said that before. Well, you know, when you say usable, it's like I think it might that might be people have different definitions of usable. Obviously, Bruce for Bruce, it's whether we have it in sixteen track, and I, I think for you and me and a lot of and a lot of fans, it's a matter of. Is it a soundboard? Is it a straight soundboard? Is it straight from like Barry Rebo's camera? You know, stuff like that. that that's usable to me. Well, I have to believe that he would put out a good stereo version of the bottom line if they had a two track. I, I can't believe that he'd be going. That's not good enough. They've released other two tracks when the situation called for it. I, I think that they must not have that. I mean, based on his own comments in public. Well, if they don't have a complete show, they they certainly have parts of them. And as I said, they I mean I feel like I've seen three or four songs, and surely they have more uh, in video from that that Tom Zimney has has worked on. So maybe put put together a compilation, uh, ten songs, fifteen songs taken from the from the entirety of the stand, or focusing on one or two shows and. Even if it's not, if it even if it doesn't make for a, you know, to recreate a show in a in a compilation style thing, just still put it out. I mean, the, it needs to be heard. <laughs> yeah. A again, anything that they have from the bottom line, really for historical purposes, it's so important to Bruce's career. They really should try and get out, and and that and that's one of the reasons why I I believe that they have to know that. I I don't think this is would be news to them. I, I personally believe that they must not have what they feel is usable or would have been put out. Yeah, they may not. That That is a, a good point. And I just, I just wonder, I, I wish they would come out and say, you know, we don't, we don't have it. <laughs> well, he did say that. Well, I guess he uh, weren't did, you in the audience when he said it? I was, but he didn't say we, we don't, he said we don't have a multi-track or, or, or we don't have a usable. And to him, the 16 track, anything less than 16 track was not usable. So, but how do you explain the Agora, the Christic? Well, I think the Christic is, is well, that's, that's one of those important shows. And I think in the Agora is also an important show. And they were mixed down from multi-tracks. I mean, it may that's not true. have been mixed down that's true. for that specific release, but they were recorded on multi-track. Okay, so I'm going to put you on the spot. So what do we think the next Born to Run release is going to be? Another show from L.A., another show from Philly, or CW Post? I'm going. Uh, well, can I? I'm going to get two. What? Or a wild card? <laughs> I'm going with uh, twelve thirty from from Philadelphia. I think that one. Um, the first, the New Year's Eve show from '75 that we have was one of the earliest releases. Might have been the third, and things have improved considerably since then in, in the in the in the sound quality department. So. I'm hoping that uh, they can they can re they can mix this one have uh, what's his name Al Schiller do it and mm -hmm. and it's got a mountain of love in there which I really which I really want to hear and and it's going to work out fine right it's going to work out fine I believe was not played the next night no it was not and I think that will be the the first release version of it at least from '75 and also where my ring around your neck which was on the London release is on 1230 and not on 1231. Yes, that London release really uh, got a lot of the covers, the key covers from 75 uh, out of the way. So uh, it'd be a little difficult for to come up with a show that has a cover that wasn't in London.
And that's one of the issues that they face now is the shows from the classic era that they can put out become less unique. He he certainly did not mix up the set in 1975 like he did in 2012 <laughs> no that's that's for sure but that was when every every show was you know the the band going uh 90 miles an hour on it around a hairpin turn on every song and they're like their lives de- like their lives depended on it and it's a, as i said it's been uh, six years since they released that the the tower show from new year's eve so uh, it's you know i'm ready i'm ready for, for a new one even if it's even if it's only one or two songs difference, that one makes sense. And, yeah, and I have been surprised that the CW Post hasn't shown up as a holiday release, but I guess maybe this year's the year. Do we know that they have it complete? Because there are certain shows that we believe they may have, but we don't know for sure they're in the vault in their entirety, or even almost in their entirety. Well, that one I have to believe that they have that they have complete or at least as it was recorded back then because the the 75 the new year's eve 75 show is from the same batch of tapes that was the same mm-hmm. same multi-track production order basically right and then after the born to run tour of course he had the lawsuit period which he did tour and he played shows in 1976 and 1977 as is well discussed they certainly did not have the money to record multi-track they they barely had enough money to eat at that point <laughs> now they right. did release two shows from 77 from the box of tapes that was discovered that was mm-hmm. well that was in 2017 right yeah that's going back three and a half years now so uh, what's going on in 1976 1977 do we have hope of more of those shows showing up i would i i, I always have hope you know the dopes that there's still hope <laughs> um they're there. I guess some people didn't like the sound quality of it, and they were and they were quite vocal about it. And I would I would it would be disappointing to to think that the people who complained about the lack of dynamics on on those two seventy seven soundboards uh, caused them to rethink going back to this to that box anytime soon. Oh, I'm gonna bet that uh, it's not the complaints. Uh- my theory, as you know, has always been that the sales on those shows were not up to the other ones. And that's why there's been no further releases from that box of tapes, because I don't think a few random voices on the Internet would stop them from releasing shows. But the, <laughs> the sales would. Well, you don't think those are intertwined, that these don't sound as good as, say, that uh, as the Roxy. So people are going to purchase the Roxy instead of instead it, of these other two shows. It's hard to say because. As we know, there are certain voices that are can be very loud on the Internet. And I don't know that that is symbolic of the entire fan base. There have been some shows that you and I love and that I think most people love where there have been some vehement complaints, (laughs) including about Winterland. And my guess is the Winterland shows sold pretty damn well. I would have to think so. Um, but there's some historic stuff in the, from 76 and 77, again, that deserves to see the light of day. Uh, I mean, the, the working on like the promise, uh, something in the night, Frankie, all those songs took, took on such a, they have such an evolution during that time period. And if they have it, let's, let's hear it. Okay. I couldn't agree more and presumably they'll get one or two more of those out. Hopefully well, it's some point in the future. Well, let me ask you a question. I mean, what if they had Boston, like one of the last shows in Boston in that, in that sound quality that we have in, was it Albany? 
If they have 325.77, needless to say, they should release that show. I think within the Springsteen fan base, that is an important enough show that you get that out there if they have it in the box of tapes. Well, I think any show from that last week or so of the of that 77 tour would be worth it. Uh, My my only complaint about the early 77 shows that that they released were that they were kind of rusty. They hadn't really been. They had they had been they had taken a couple of months off and. There, there's some miscues in there if you, if you listen, and they need one where where the band is just firing on all cylinders, as they say. Yes, those shows definitely. Just listening to them on tape, it's clear the band is not playing to the level they were at a place like they were in Boston a couple of months later. So I, I totally agree with you there. Right. So and then we then then we then we move to darkness. Yes, we're going to move on to darkness now. Again, this is another tour, and in fact, here they really have dug. Into the archives, they've given us pretty much all the notable shows that we know were recorded. There's one more show from Passaic that has to be released, and there's Berkeley. And after that, is is there anything else that we know of that is definitely in the vaults? I think the other question is really is whether they have that second night in Atlanta on on, uh, on October first. Um, you would you would I can't imagine they would get the truck out there just for one show, but maybe they did. Uh, but if they had that one, that would be amazing because the record, only recording I know of it is pretty much awful. Uh, it's an audience recording, and you can barely tell that Bruce is on stage. That would, <laughs> <laughs> That's not a good sounding show. No, it's not. So uh, to go from that kind of recording to uh, you know a multi track or even hell even a soundboard like like Winterland the first night would be would be pretty cool. Yeah, and that's a show that opened with the last time. That was the premiere of that song. I think they only played it one other time. That would be cool to have. And and the idea that we'd have a show that is basically completely fresh from 78 would be really cool. <laughs> yes, it would. And because obviously all the other ones, we'd have like the five radio broadcast and, and Houston. Well, Houston would have been was was an interesting pick because we didn't have a decent recording of that one either. It was better, but. It wasn't uh, quite, a, you know, quite what the, was the DVD soundtrack. See, I don't really count Houston as an archive release. I know they eventually stuck it into the series as, as the benefit after the hurricane. But it, it, that was released as part of the darkness box because that was the only usable video they had. And even <laughs> that's even being kind because it's true. It, it, you would have hoped that they would have been recorded in a better fashion than that in 1978 by the time... We had gotten to the darkness tour, but as we know that they were not. <laughs> yeah. So other other than other than those two shows, I don't know what else they have in multi. Um, I mean, to their credit, they've they, hitting all five radio broadcasts certainly uh, brought the historic ones home. That is very significant, and and it definitely is an important part of his legacy. I guess moving forward, one of the things that's going to be interesting, and and we're going to discuss this in a lot more detail, is that the later tours where, of course, they've recorded a lot more, in some cases, everything, that's going to have to become the focus of the archive series when they get through these remaining classic era shows. And and I I don't see any other way around that. Well, they are trying to space it out, obviously. Um, You know, we're not getting two Born to Run shows and two Darkness shows a year. Um, and, but yeah, that will be a concern going going down unless unless they, they do have more soundboards than, than we've 
than we've previously thought. And then they may not even have what we think they have in that. Right. Well, that was something you told me today, because even to the extent that there are soundboards out in the world trading as bootlegs, you were very clear and you can articulate on this. That doesn't mean that the Springsteen organization has those soundboards. Right. I mean, Ed Shockey recorded all those tapes himself. And there's definitely um, a trend among the some of those river soundboards, Detroit, um, the 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 Vets show, and I think, what was the other one? Oh, Toronto, where they it was either a guest or, or the guy or Mark Brickman, the the lighting guy, had a copy in his car, and they were basically stolen out of his glove compartment. So it may it may not be the situation that where they we think they have a soundboard, if if not a multi track, but. You know, they may have less than what we think. Now let's get to the river tour. Let's start <laughs> okay. with the big let's start with the big question up front. All right. A twenty eighty one. We did an entire episode of this podcast about it. We we talked to John. We weighed in at the time. People pray, they hope, <laughs> they wish, they dream. So I believe you have some information on this point. <laughs> Yeah, Why don't not- you tell us, do they have a multi-track from the VET show or any other show from L.A. in 1981? They do not. There is no multi-track from Los Angeles, 1981. None. And this is not speculation. This no. is something. You- yes. Okay. Well, that clears that up for a lot of people. Now, the next question <laughs> that people are going to have is, could they potentially have a soundboard because as we know, a soundboard circulates at least partially from the vet show. I do not know the answer to that to that question. Uh, obviously, as you said, there is a soundboard of the first half, or I think at least the half, the first half of the first half. But I'm not. I wouldn't hold my breath that they have the whole thing. I'm sorry, guys. It's that's just that's my understanding. Well, and it goes back to what you were saying. Just because a soundboard circulates amongst the fan base doesn't mean that they have it. Right. That is 100% accurate. They they have less than what we think they have, or they actually have less than what we wish they had. Right. This is, again, going back to the wishing and the hoping. And we get yeah. it. Everyone wants this show. It is the holy grail. As I said, we spent the whole show on a whole episode on this particular concert, but uh, it just is what it is. And it, <laughs> what it is, is it's not going to be released. Is that what you would say? You know, I don't want to say definitively it's never going to come out, but at the same time, I wouldn't, I definitely would not suggest holding your breath. So, with that in mind, let's talk about what they could release from the River Tour. <laughs> right. And I'm going for one of the shows from the Meadowlands. That's going to have I Don't Want to Go Home. I think that's that was the big one missing for me from the July 9th release from last summer. And so to me, it's got to be I Don't Want to Go Home or Bust. But do you think that they'll release a second show from the same stand the next time they come around to the River Tour? Well, that, that is a big question. Uh, at this point, we know they recorded in four cities, including Tempe. And so and they released two from Nassau Coliseum. They released one from Jersey, one from one from London. And so they're going to have to go back to one of those stands at all at some point if they're going to release a multi-track from that tour. Yes. So I, I think it's very likely we'll see a, we'll see another Jersey show. 
Yeah, no doubt that the I don't want to go home is a key moment that we know was captured and and should be released. That homecoming stand was a, a very key moment for Bruce and and considering the other options, the the third Nassau show, which is a good show, but I would certainly go for New Jersey 81 before the third Nassau show. Right, right. Certainly one with I don't want to go home. I mean, they have one from July 6th and I guess that's really it. <laughs> July 6th in terms of what, what we know, what we know they have recorded. I'm not sure about July 3rd or July 5th. Tempe, I, I know some people would like to have it put out complete and that would be good i think a lot of people already have it pieced together complete mm-hmm. through one method or another mm-hmm. it uh, i it wouldn't excite me that much but i understand why they would put it out i i don't know i mean again one of the issues that we have here and they're gonna have is they're running out of shows from these tours Right. So, so I mean, you know, uh, yeah, eight years from now, if they're releasing one, you know, one multi-track a year from the River Tour, uh, they're they're going to have n- almost no choice but to go from a to go for a complete tempe. And from what we know, there's very little hope also that any other city was recorded via multi-track on the River Tour than the ones that obviously are known about already. Yeah, I think this is it. These these three or four cities. That's and, it. and that's in keeping with the way the labels worked at that time. So it's not a surprise. No, not at all. And then we go back to the possibility of soundboards. But as we keep talking about, it's a question of what they have. And we believe that they have less than we would hope. And what can they find? And and then something else that they would have to face is, depending on what generation and how low quality the tapes are, are you really going to charge your fans for that? I, I understand people want some of these soundboards to come out, but if we already have them circulating as bootlegs, the Springsteen organization taking them, giving them a little bit nicer sheen and then putting them out and charging us for it. I I don't know that that makes any sense. And I don't know that they want to do that. Well, I think it comes back again to the the historic nature of the specific show. Well, the Vets is an exception, of course. Uh, right. Not talking about the Vets. Uh, talking about just some random, like Detroit on the River Tour with the soundboard that exists. You know, for them to take a six-generation tape and spruce it up a little bit and charge people for it when everyone already has it, I don't know that that makes sense. No, I, I, I would like to think that they would take the audience recording of the Vet show and spruce that one up before they would do take that Detroit soundboard and spruce that one up. Just, just obviously for the historic importance of it. See, I don't see them releasing any audience tapes. That's not their MO. And they know the audience tapes are circulating anyway, unless they could really appreciably make them better. Right. Or if they were just patches for songs that are missing from, from the other, from the, from the other source, from, from another soundboard source or even a multi-track source. Well, except as you just told us, there is no multi-track source from the vets. Well, I was talking about the the London show where they had where they finished up yes. the Detroit medley with uh, with the audience. Yes, that is true. So uh, that's I wasn't talking about the vet show in that situation. I was talking about other shows where you know you finish up if a song is incomplete or fa- or fades out on the multi-track. You know, you can there's definitely some patching that can be done. Okay, so let's now get to the really big tour, which is, of course, the Born in the USA tour when Bruce broke out and <laughs> conquered the world. 
Here yeah. again, same problem. Uh, we know for a fact this is stated on the record. They had four shows from 1984. They were all from the New Jersey stand. Eight, five, and six have been released. H20 has been released. That leaves 819. The problem with 819 is there's really nothing in that show that is unique from the other shows except for My Father's House. That to me is 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 it's it's a good selection, but I don't know that that warrants you. Being put out, I'm sure they will put it out at some point just because they have nothing else. <laughs> but the fourth show from the 10 Night Stand, that one's going to be, it, it's certainly the least exciting of the four shows that they had to pick. And that's why they picked the other three first. Yes. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of a challenge there. It's As you said earlier, when you have shows from one stand being, being recorded or the variation from one night to the other is just not going to be that great. Uh, I guess they, they released a, a Meadowland show last summer, uh, May or June, right? Yes. Um, and they come around to it again, say, next year. I'd, I'd be okay with it. Listen, it. It'll be fresh again. I probably I don't go back and listen to a lot oh, of the stuff. I'm going to get back to 819 is not going to be released for a while. They'll go back to 85. Okay. Well, talk about 85. I'm I'm just incredibly surprised that they haven't released something from Giant Stadium yet. That and we one know just, they had just, those those shows were used for live seventy five to eighty five at least the second and third of the first part of the stand, and that and those stands really didn't have much difference between between uh, between each night. So, um, but it was the Super Bowl of Springsteen, as I believe Backstreet's put it back in nineteen eighty six. So, I, it's just surprising one hasn't been released yet. That's all. Yeah, I, I and I was there. The Jersey 85, at least one of those shows should be released. I understand it's not going to be that different from the LA 85 show they've already released. Now, they also still have 10-285, which is an important show, the final night of the Born in USA tour. It was a little surprising that that was not the selection when they picked a show from the Coliseum. There's been some speculation all along that they're holding that one for an eventual box set. But... Mm. Time will tell. Yeah. Um, actually, I thought the 92785 release was was fantastic. Ah, it, incredible. Uh, in addition to having the the war intro with the song and and seeds, which I guess was played all during that entire leg, the encores were shaken up with with Janie. Don't you lose heart in there? And certainly next to next to stand on it, you got the the B side encore and. I thought that was fantastic because obviously 930 was the major source of Live 7585. Yes, and and I guess the major question that everyone has is, is there anything from Europe in 1985? I have no idea. None whatsoever. You would think that they would have done something over there, I mean, based on that Born to Run video. I mean, with all all those screens going on, you would think they'll at least have one show with the multi-track, but... Well, remember, as far those screens were for internal use at the shows, and even being captured, that doesn't mean they had multi-track audio being captured with it. It is very likely that they have the footage from the screens with whatever, probably output from the board. Right. But it's certainly, I don't think that they have every show, even if they captured the screen in multi-track, because oh, that no, would I- again have required a a a mobile production unit. Well, I I, I said it. I, I would be surprised or I would be surprised if they didn't have one show with the multi-track truck. Right. But maybe they don't even have the one show. 
the interesting thing is, after all this time, that there's never been any hint of that. Now, obviously, they've recorded in London in 75 and in 81. It seems like that London would have been a likely possibility if they did record in Europe in 1985. And, and by then, he was the biggest star on the planet. For me, the July 4th show, 1985, if, if they haven't, and again, there's no proof that they do, but if they do... That's an essential show to release, and and that Independence Day acoustic opening into Born in the USA on the Fourth of July, uh, that was something I listened to as a teenager, <laughs> many many times. Yeah, that would be a, that would be a fantastic one one to go with, and as you said, it would make sense. They recorded in in London in seventy five and eighty one, and why not eighty five? But they are ha- they are full of surprises. All right. So from the Born in the USA tour, I think we both expect the next show is going to be New Jersey 85, though. Yes. Yes, we do. OK. And and now let's do the tunnel tour and then we'll wrap up part one. We'll come back now. I know we promised some tidbits. You've thrown out a couple. I know you actually have more tidbits about the recent shows, which makes a lot of sense because the reality is they just have a lot more stuff <laughs> from the modern era. Yes. Yes, and I don't don't hype up people's expectations too much. Oh, you got big stuff. Come back next week. Uh, it's interesting, that's for sure. Uh, there, well, there's a couple of things in there. Uh, unfortunate for me to have heard, but anyway, <laughs> that's a little tease for next week. But getting to the tunnel tour, here's another one. I mean, the recordings are known. I, we we know there's more from MSG. We, we know well, there's more from they, L.A. We know there's more from L.A. We know they have Sheffield because that was the source of the spare parts video. Right. And then after that, we're not exactly sure. There were a couple of shows. Again, this to me is almost to the level of the vet show. East Berlin, if they have it, it is an essential release. We know there was no multi-track because there was not a mobile production unit in East Berlin in 1988. No, probably not. And the TV source, which has floated around for years, is unusable because when they cut to the crowd, it took the sound away from the stage and basically just had audience noise. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So that's not – that that can't work for them as an audio release. So I don't know – I, I, this is another one that I've always believed that they had it. It would be out. This is, in it, for historical sake, East Berlin may be the most important show of Bruce's career. I mean, <laughs> that's not a joke. There have been books written about this that Bruce really did help bring down the Berlin Wall, obviously indirectly, but it just <laughs> the the him being there and playing that show and and what it did for the population and 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 how it opened their eyes it, it's a very very significant show and unfortunately it's just another one they probably don't have yeah probably not probably not um and we talked about shows on stands from you know from Meadowlands 81 London 81 the, the, the shows from the Tunnel of Love tour there's not much setless variation. No. So we're no. talking about like the shows that I that I think could be next, which would be uh, April 27th or May 22nd uh, from the L.A. And, and the Garden, respectively, just to get across the borderline. They're pretty much identical to shows already released except for that one song. 
I think that's an important song. I think they have to get a show out that has crying in it from the garden. Mm-hmm. I have to check. Was any of the shows at the garden include both across the borderline and crying? I don't think so. I don't think so. Not no, not at all. Um, crying was just done the what the first three nights. And Wait, was it done three times? Yeah, it was done the sixteenth, eighteenth, and nineteenth. Okay. See, and the op- opening night would be really freaking cool because it has that version of New York, New York. Right. And uh, I mean, he did what he did that what twice ever. Of those, and that was only at those first two nights of the garden. Now, what do we know about that stand? Did they record the entire stand? I, I have no idea. That's one of these things where we weren't even sure they had any of them until they released the, the five twenty three show. The first night, I see the New York, New York is there, and crying, of course, was played that night, and then crying was played the second night, as was New York, New York, and then the third night, crying was played, but no New New York, New York. Right. And that was the last time the was that last time the band did, did crying? Yeah, that's the only time the band did crying was no, we had those three shows. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Right. So I I, I view across the borderline as a little bit higher on my uh, priority list, but crying is not that far behind. And it's you know, and we're talking about releasing a show just for that one that one song. And this again is the, is the problem that they have from the tunnel tour. Even Sheffield is very similar to seven, three, which is already released. We know they probably have the second night in Detroit. And again, that's going to vary by maybe one or two songs from the first release. Was that the one that they have darkness and backstreets on the, on the second night in Detroit? Uh, um, yeah, they did darkness and back. Yeah. That was the standard second night switch to darkness and backstreet. That's actually started on St. Patrick's day in Chicago. Right. And I, looking back on it, I, I, I would prefer to have the, the other songs, not, not those two alternates. So Just what looking we, at it from at the time. Right. What, well, what do we think is going to be next from that tour? Well, I'm going to I'm going to go with April 27th from from Los Angeles. Um, obviously, the the 23rd was very similar, some similar set list, except for across the borderline, of course. But it's been six years since since they released that one. So I think it's time to go back. It's OK to go back to that. Well, at this point. Yeah, that makes sense. Unless they have a show that we're not aware of. And even then in 88, that's not going to probably have many significant differences either. To me, I think the most significant thing they could do in regards to 88 at this point would be to put out an amnesty show. If they have certainly one of the American shows, uh, the Oakland show on Bruce's birthday was was a really good show. Mm -hmm. Or if they have any of the shows from maybe some of the more unique places, uh, certainly the show played in Africa. Yep. Hungary. That would be a good that would be an interesting one. We know they have 10, 15, 88 in some form because Amnesty has released that show, but I, I don't think they're going to step on Amnesty's release and, and release that show would be my guess. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. Uh, it's, and of course, those, those set lists are really, talk about your greatest hits. Um, I mean, except for the, the Sting, the, the Sting duet, it's, you know, that's pretty much right down... Uh, well, I'll point out the Sting duet was not a part of Bruce's set. It was a part of Sting's set. So who even knows if that would be part of the release? Well, the river would be. The river would be. That's true. Right. I'm, I'm sorry. I was th- I, I don't. I was thinking really about every breath you take, which was a great moment. Yes, it was. That was that was tremendous. I would love to 
that would be I would love to hear that. I don't know if Sting would give us permission. Yeah, since that wasn't part of Bruce's set, I really think that's unlikely for inclusion in a Springsteen archive. Yeah, I know, but it was as you said, it was a very very cool moment, and I that that was a highlight for me from that HBO broadcast. It'll be interesting to see how they handle some of these sort of uh, special tours. Uh, another one that we're going to talk about next time is uh, the Vote for Change tour. And there's certainly one or two shows on the Vote for Change tour that I feel very strongly <laughs> should be released. Uh, but we don't even know if they have those. Uh, they may be afflicted with the rising. And 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 you are going to have an update on those. Speaking of teases, you are going to have an update on the rising for the next episode and what's going on. And I guess uh, it's not giving away too much to say. People should not hold their breath on that. Not at all. Don't hold your breath at all for the <laughs> rising. Oh, anyway, we'll talk about that next time. And that's very frustrating. Very. Not going to hold back there. All right. Well, we'll get your thoughts on that next time. So let, let's let stop with the 1988, the end of the classic era, which it came to a close on October 15th, 1988. And we'll pick up next time. We'll go through the remaining tours. There's going to be a lot more to talk about, especially as we get into the reunion era. But we'll pick up with 92, 93. And by then, we should have the March 5th archive release. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I always, it's always a highlight for me, obviously. I live for the first Fridays. Now, can we say that you're writing the review? We can say it. I have no idea what it is, but you can say it. You have not been told yet what it I is. I have not been told. <laughs> okay, well. I'm going to start listening to every show just to, just to be just, ready. Just so everyone knows, basically the way this works is R Flynn has a red phone in his office that's connected yeah, to a black, secret hotline. Actually. And and, and uh, when that red phone flashes, sort of like the hotline between the Soviet Union and uh, and the United <laughs> States during the Cold War, that's when he's going to get the information of uh, what review he's writing. Pretty much. I love writing those things. Uh, it, it, oh, no, it is fun. I've enjoyed the couple that I've written, too. So... Anyway, uh, let's uh, bring this to a close. We'll we'll do a part. This was part one. We'll do part two next time. By the time we will be able to discuss your review by then. So that'll okay. be good. And right. uh, I'll just do the usual. None but the bravest presentation of bull market entertainment. Please subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice. Apple, Google, Amazon, you know the drill. And if you want to reach us, we can be found on Twitter at MBTB podcast. Our website is nonebutthebravepodcast.com. So for Hal Schwartz, I'm Flynn McLean saying thanks for listening, and we'll see you further on up the road. Thank you so much. We'll be seeing you. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind, uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little, little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. And my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics... Um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love 
want to love or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that that uh, has impacted your life, uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind podcast. <laughs>